Father in heaven, we are blessed indeed that we can have health and strength, Lord, to come into this place, Lord, come into your presence. And as we sung just a moments ago, Lord, that we together meditate on your word, not just hear it, not just read it, but that we all meditate, each one individually, and allow your spirit to speak into our hearts, Lord, to, to reveal to us where your word would, would redirect perhaps our thoughts and our thought life and, and guide us into a, a direction, Lord, that is getting closer to you, Lord, so that we would grow in, in the knowledge of you each and every day, Lord, so that we'll be formed the way you want us to be, Lord, the way you have planned for us in, to be in, ready, Lord, for when you come, when you appear, so that we can stand before without, without fear, Lord, stand before thee without fear. Lord, we pray for those who, for whatever reason, could not be here, Lord. Perhaps those who, who don't feel it's necessary to, to, to gather with others, Lord, to, to meditate on your word. Uh, we pray that you, you would touch their hearts because the time is short and the diversions are ever getting more, increase ever more, Lord, to take us away from the very purpose of this life. And so we pray that this day would be uh, perhaps a, a turnaround for them, Lord. Touch their lives, Lord. We pray for those who cannot be here, would like to be like, like the Marcy's, Lord, who are in lockdown again. We, we pray that you would be their comfort, Lord, that they would know that they're not alone. They're yet in your presence, Lord, as we are. And we pray that they would have a blessing in this day as well. Lord, we pray for all those who are disabled, Lord, or, or are away from us. Lord, we pray especially for those who, who traveled away, Lord. We pray for a safe travel back, Lord, in, into our midst, Lord. We pray for our government, Lord, which we know are, are deeply in, in difficulties, Lord. We pray that you would... Guide people, Lord, to a clearer way of governing as than we have been witnessing in the past, Lord. We pray that you would allow a revival yet to happen, for there, there are many, Lord, that yet, need yet to come to know thee and make use of this life that you have given us for the very purpose, Lord, that, that you have planned from the beginning of the creation of this world. We pray for a blessing, Lord, on this entire day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to read a passage in Matthew. In Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, 
And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid unto the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, and both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not a wedding garment. And he said unto the, the friend, and he said unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. We'll read up to verse 14. I uh, was inspired to kind of study this, this passage in, in great detail, more than... Uh, other passages in, uh, as of late, uh, for, for a reason. Uh, I was on a wedding just uh, a few weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago, and that was a, a wedding that was different from uh, the weddings uh, that, that have been before. It, it was different in, in, in the sense that uh, uh, it, it was very... Uh, not very well planned, or well, I shouldn't say that. Maybe it was just the way they wanted it, and that's fine. Uh, I, I, everybody can do it the way they want to do it. Uh, but one thing that kind of uh, occurred to me that I never noticed before is people, some people came just like from work, maybe, uh, in jeans and, and uh, just uh, not, not the attire that you would expect for a wedding. And uh, I never noticed that before, but I noticed, and not, not that I'm saying that this was a problem. I, I think uh, if, if the bride and the groom are okay with that, then, then everything is fine. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with it, but I, it just, I, I just uh, thought this was interesting, and I was reminded of this passage because of that one, that one verse there 
in, uh, of, of, in 11 and 12, uh, where, where the man had, didn't have a wedding garment on, meaning he didn't fit in. And so uh, I kind of started to look into that in greater detail. And, and I realized that uh, this, this parable here, it, we can just read it and, and, uh, and just look at it, uh, but it, it really, it, it, is, it is very deep, uh, what, what we are reading here. And so I want to I give a little bit of a, a background of, uh, of this parable before actually then, then trying to go verse by verse to see what, what, what does it mean for us today. But uh, this parable is, is uh, one of three parables that, that Jesus gave on the second day after coming to Jerusalem. Palm Sunday, this is now Palm Monday, or just Monday, uh, the day after Palm Sunday. He, he, that's when he comes back to the temple and, and he is teaching now, uh, you remember, he came the first day, he came and threw out all, all the, the money changes and, and all of that. So, so they, they, the, the people were actually shocked that somebody would just come and, and change everything, the, the whole traditions and everything they had built up there, and he just comes and changes it. And so the next day he comes, and now... The chief priests and the Pharisees and, and the rulers come and say, hey, hold it. Uh, but by what, by what power do you do this? By what authority do you do this? And so he started a discussion with them. And, and, uh, and I want, don't want to go too far back because of, of time. But uh, in, he then answered them in parables. And he gave them two parables. And, and we'll kind of look at those quickly because that, that really sets it up for the, for the third parable in order to understand that more clearly. In, in the first parable was, as you remember, is it about the two sons. Uh, the father had two sons, and, and he uh, told the first son, go into the vineyard and, and uh, you know, today and, and go and work in the vineyard. And, and the son said, yeah, uh, um, I just want to read it, uh, but what think, um, I have to find it. Uh, in 28, but what think he? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father. And so they answered, they answered Jesus and said, Well, obviously, the the, the one who, who ultimately repented and went. Uh, and so then he goes on, and, and then Jesus goes on in verse 30, hear another parable. And then he, he gives him the parable uh, of, of the householder. Uh, there was a certain householder. 
he says, which planted the vineyard and hatched it around about and dig the wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to the husbandmen and went into a far country. Uh, other translations uh, use different words there. It doesn't really matter. Um, and when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it, uh, like, like a percentage of it. And the husbandman took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But the last of all, but last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, they will receive my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him and cast him out, out of the vineyard and slew him. And I want to skip down to the last few verses, verse 45 in that chapter. And when the chief priests and the Pharisees had heard this parables, his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. And then there's a chapter break there, and Jesus answered, but it's like, here another, here the third parable. That's, so I just want to go quickly back to, to, to this, uh, who, who are the people? Because when Jesus uh, made, made, give, made parables or, or gave allegories, uh, in order to, to, to convey a message, uh, he, I don't think he just picked things out of the air. He used things that were there. Uh, if, you, if you remember the, the, the parable of the talents, where uh, it, it doesn't say it was a king, it was just uh, an important person, uh, went to a far country, uh, like, like the Herods would go to Rome and, and uh, you know, get an audience with Caesar in order to get their, their kingdom or whatever. Uh, so what would, do you do? You, you go to Rome, it takes about two years to get a, a, an appointment with Caesar. So all your uh, you know, assets that you have, and they didn't have, uh, you know, didn't have CDs and things like that, or the bank, not even banks, they didn't have banks. So they, they, had, uh, they had people that would actually invest or, or take care of their properties, whether it was vineyards or, or whatever they had. And so uh, here, Jesus uses that in, in this parable as well. And, and uh, when he says, you know, the, and the, there was a certain householder, a certain householder or, or landowner or whatever, well, that's obviously God. And when he built the tower, he planted the vineyard and so on, that's, that's Israel. And he, he built a tower, that, that could be the temple, I'm not sure uh, if, if he goes into that detail, but it, it could be. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. Well, later on, the servants get killed, so we, we know the servants... Are, are obviously the prophets, the, the teachers that went to them. Well, 
a lot of them got killed, Isaiah and many. And the last one was John, John the Baptist. And uh, so, and he goes on, and then uh, when, when he, he sends, sends the son, which is Jesus, and they killed him. So at the end, when, when they considered those two parables, it says they knew, they knew that he knew what they were thinking and what, what their heart was all about. They, they, they realized suddenly this Jesus knows what we are all about. So they wanted to get rid of him. And so we go into, into the third parable, that which I would imagine is immediately thereafter, right, right after the, the, the second one. And again, I think he's using things that, that, that are, uh, were in the news or, or happened a little bit before. And, and Jesus answered and spake unto them again in parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son. Well, I spend an inordinate amount of time on, uh, on weddings, uh, of royal weddings, uh, because, of, because of that one verse about the wedding garment. And uh, <laughs> so at first I looked, obviously on Google, you, you go on Google and you, you look at that. I couldn't find anything in terms of uh, that made sense. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's stuff there, but, uh, and eventually I, I thought, well, okay, if, if, if I can't find anything, maybe I go to my bookshelf and I have two shelves of, uh, of handbooks, uh, uh, not only concordance, but, but uh, commentaries and, and all kinds of, you know, books. That, and I went through that which is the first time in many years that I even took them off the shelf, looked in it, and uh, lo and behold, uh, I, they, they, there was no help there. As a matter of fact, they were actually wrong about much of this particular parable. Uh, I, I totally disagreed with the interpretation that other people have of this parable. And so I, I did more research on, on weddings, and it turns out that in even before that time, even a thousand years before, in uh, Babylonian times, weddings, royal weddings, were very, very important. Uh, they would, uh, we, we actually have records going back, you know, 3,000 years, more, three, three years, 4,000 years, Babylonian records of weddings where they list what, what, they, what was served. Uh, you know how many how many sheep and how many pigs and how 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 much beer was served? They didn't serve wine back then. They, they served beer in, in in Babylon. That was their big thing. And so they uh, we have a very good idea that in that culture weddings were very important. Uh, royal weddings were very important. And I would imagine that that Herod was you know. Uh, that there were Herod the Great who, who uh, wanted to kill Jesus when he was a baby, and then 
uh, I think he passed away somewhere around 84, uh, thereabouts, and then uh, his, uh, his sons took over, uh, and they went to Rome uh, to, to, uh, to uh, talk to Augustine, uh, Augustus, I should say, uh, to get part of the, of the kingdom of their father, which they, they did, uh, three of them anyway. And uh, one of them probably got married, I would imagine the oldest one, and that was probably a, a wedding that happened, uh, a f you know, 10, 20 years uh, or so before this parable here. And they probably remembered what, you know, what was then. And they would invite, well, if, they, if there was a royal wedding, they probably wouldn't invite uh, just the commoners, you know. They, they probably would invite important people. And it was a, it was a big deal. And so, uh, I, let's, just, let's just put ourselves into the place where Jesus is speaking this parable. The, 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 the rulers, the Pharisees, the, the, the Herodians, what they were called at one point, they're all there. I'm sure that the disciples were there too. There were others there too. Uh, but, but he speaks to them, or the first two parables, he definitely spoke to them because they realized uh, he, he, he could see right into their hearts. And uh, so they, now they're listening to this parable. Did they understand this parable? Well, we, we don't know for sure. But I'm sure they understood the first part of this parable because it's the same as the second one. It's, it's, it's a king who gives a marriage, and, uh, and then there are some that, that don't, don't want to come. And when you, when you think about it, if there is a, a royal wedding, and you get an invitation for a royal wedding, why does Jesus say, uh, or, or give, give this allegory, uh, and they would not, and they would not come. And sent for the servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Why would? In, in some in some of the commentaries, they said, "Well, that that was probably added on later on because this, this doesn't make sense." Well, no, it, it does make sense to me, uh, because when you when when I spent way too much time looking in, in, uh, in history and how this worked in, in the weddings. And because those, those royal weddings had nothing to do with people who wanted to get married. This had everything to do with politics, everything. And uh, this, this, was, this was like uh, Washington right now, or, or uh, how it has been anyway. It's all politics. And uh, so when Herod, uh, comes and he got this. He went to Herod II, goes to uh, Rome, and, and, and gets a part of of the kingdom. And he comes back. He is now essentially the, the, the a Roman entity. He is now working for Rome in the eyes of the Jews. And uh, I don't think they they liked Herod all that much. Uh, because he, he, was, he was really against them. He was like a traitor, in essence. And that's exactly what Rome wanted. They wanted to have people. They didn't want to have a, a, 
a coherent a nation there, any of the nations that they had across the Mediterranean all the way to India, they didn't want to have the, the nations be very, very cohesive. No, they wanted to have tension there. They wanted to have some people of their own being looked at as traitors. That, that was exactly the plan they had. And that was, I'm sure that was exactly the, the, the situation there. There were some people there, they didn't want to go to, to, that to that wedding because they were not at all, didn't want to be friends with, with Herod. And they didn't want to be seen by others to be part. So let's see if the, a Pharisee would have been invited, which they may have been, or, or the chief priests. They were appointed by Rome, uh, by the procurator. Well, if they would have been invited, then the other Jews would have said, see, he's going to, uh, to Herod, to, to this wedding, and it's all, it's all about Rome. Uh, I think that's probably the reason why they turned the invitation down. I, I think that's, if, if we just put ourselves in, in that spot. And it's similar to what we read in the previous parable there, it's, it's not about politics. There, it's, it's about just selfishness, right? The, the husbandmen were working the vineyard. Uh, they wanted to keep everything. They didn't want to pay the, the rent or whatever you want to call it. Uh, they want to keep everything, so they... they, uh, they uh, told the, 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 the servants of, of, of the landowner to, to go away, and, and if they didn't, they, well, they killed them. And so up to that point, it's, it's pretty much the same. And he sent other servants uh, and tell them, which are bidden, behold, I have prepared my dinner, my ox and my fatlings are killed. Well, the, the animals were already killed. The thing was ready. I mean, the, you couldn't wait much longer at, the, at this point. But they made light of it and went their ways one to his farm, another to his merchandise. So this is another group uh, that may not have had political reservations, but they, they, they had maybe bigger things to, to, to deal with in their perception. Didn't go there. And of course, all of that has, uh, has a totally different meaning to us. I'm just trying to, to uh, paint a picture of how, how they received it, how the, the Pharisees and the chief priests, how they would have received this, this uh, uh, message here or this, this parable. And up to that point, I'm sure they recognized themselves. It's just like in a previous parable. They, they, they knew that, that this certain king, yeah, he, they probably could remember Herod, but, be, but I'm sure they understood that he spoke of God. Uh, and, and the son was Jesus. I'm sure they understood that part. And he, he, they understood that the servants were the prophets and, and, and so on. And they understood that they were the ones that didn't want to come. They didn't want to go to John the Baptist down to the river. Uh, they, they, they didn't want to go. They had other things to do. They made light of it. And then he says, the remnant took his, 
his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. And there the commentators did have a problem with that too. They said, well, obviously the city is Jerusalem. That was in AD 70. It was, you know, it was 40 years later. Uh, so why is it here? Uh, somebody must have inserted that. Well, no, <laughs> that, that just works fine in, in, in a parable, in an allegory. He, he's, he's, he's giving to, especially he's talking to the, those people here that are re- refusing to, to acknowledge that he is the son of God. And so he, he, he tells them an army is coming. This is a prophecy. An army is coming, and he's going to take the city away. Uh, of course, as, as an allegory, this is not a prophecy to them. It's just he, he, he kind of conjures up this, this really, really uh, horrible thing that, that, that was happening or had happened. Then said he to his servants, and now he's in a present again. Then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready, but they which are bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways and as many as ye shall find bid to the marriage. So they understood, I think up to that point they still understood that what he was saying is, uh, therefore you're rejected and, and others will be, uh, will, will be part of, of a kingdom. Uh, and, uh, and from there on, I'm, I'm not so sure they followed the thing, well, maybe they did, I, I don't know, but uh, when, when he says then, so those servants went out in the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Uh, they went out in the highways to gather all, the, maybe, maybe they still understood that, to gather all the bad and the good. Well, who is the bad and the good? Well, Maybe the bad are the Jews that refused, the prophets refused, John the Baptist refused him. Maybe they are the bad, maybe they understood that, and the good are the ones that actually believed him, or it could be Jews and Gentiles. And and, uh, the, the way we could understand it, maybe they understood that part. But then when he goes on, when the king, so the servants went out in the highways and gathered to get all as many as they found, both bad and good. The wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said unto them, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. I'm not so sure at that point they could follow what, what he was talking about. Because when, when you look into this passage, there is not too many uh, you know, voices out there that actually agree of what this says. What is the wedding garment here in, in, this, in this passage? Uh, there's just all kinds of different views of what the wedding garment is. And, uh, and I looked at that, and, and uh, some have... The idea, well, you just, you, when you go to a wedding, you have to come in clean clothes at least. You just have to make yourself 
presentable. That's what a lot of people think. Uh, I don't think that's what this is at all. It had nothing to do with, with looking good because it had something to do with being recognized. It, 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 that wedding garment was something, and, and yeah, there are, some, there are some references from the 1800s or earlier of theologians that said, well, those royal weddings, they would give out, they would give out wedding garments so that everybody was the same, so that there was no uh, difference in, in, in status or whatever, so that, that it would be more, uh, uh, a more festive type of, uh, of an assembly. Uh, and, and I looked into that and I read some of these things and I don't know where they get it from because they, they don't have references into, into history, into past, to, to, uh, to say so, and, and the, the scripture doesn't say that, other than we know that Gideon, uh, no, Gideon, uh, Samson, when he uh, was going to get married uh, to, to this uh, uh, Philistine woman, uh, and he made, he made this riddle, and, and uh, so he, he was going to give all the people that would come to the wedding, all, all the men that would come to the wedding, he was going to give them uh, uh, clothes. We could say a wedding garment. So there was this one example in, in, in Word, but I looked into Mesopotamian uh, history, and, and I don't find, uh, they, there is some, but, but very, very little. So it, it's, it's kind of difficult to, to, uh, to say, yeah, we know exactly what, what that was all about. But when, when, I read, when I just read those two verses to Kem together, and he said unto him, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. What? Well, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? Implies that he kind of bypassed uh, the ushers. Otherwise, he wouldn't, Jesus wouldn't say that. So in, 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 just taking these two verses, it, I would interpret this to say that the wedding garment there at least in this allegory, if, if it was not a tradition, we don't know, but it, at least in this allegory, it was, was clearly meant you had to have a specific wedding garment on that maybe the others didn't recognize. The other people in, in, in that uh, wedding uh, did not recognize because they didn't tell the, the man, hey, you, you look different. No. It's the king, when the king came in, only the king recognized that he didn't have the wedding garment on. Uh, tells me that this wedding garment is not a physical thing. This wedding garment is what the righteousness of Jesus Christ that was given. And that's where I think those people back then probably didn't understand what you were saying. So this passage, uh, this parable, was not only meant for them, but it was also meant for us, for everybody coming thereafter. And I want to go back to the beginning of this. 
He says, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son. The kingdom of heaven, that's how he started many uh, 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 parables. The kingdom of heaven is like. And and so uh, I was looking at that, and I want to go to... I'll go to Revelations. Uh, just the kind of highlights that that uh, that point about the wedding garment a little bit better, I think. And uh, I'll start reading in, in, in chapter 19, uh, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice. And give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. It's the marriage of the Lamb. And his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. When we look at these two verses, it's the marriage of the lamb to, to what? It's, it's Jesus getting married to the church. That's what it's talking about. And in, in the parable there, it's, it's a marriage as well. But then he goes on in, in, in the next word, and his wife has made herself ready. Well, how do we make ourselves ready? As a, as a church, as individuals, how do we make ourselves ready? And at the first glance, when I went through this, I figured, well, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. How do we get righteousness? Can we, can we earn righteousness? Can we make righteousness? No, the righteousness comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is our righteousness. But then, why does it say the wife has made herself ready? Well, maybe by accepting, by accepting the, the, the righteousness. There's, there's another verse in, in, in Revelations uh, <clears throat> seven fourteen, And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. That would indicate, that verse by itself would indicate that, that the, real, the real work there of getting ready as a church or getting ready uh, ourselves uh, is really washing our robes in the blood of the Lamb. Now, I, I've I read others what others thought about this, and and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. Yeah, it's granted, but now that we are robed in in white, we're going to have to stay white, right? And so when when we go back in, into this marriage scenario. Uh, which the, that, that parable is all about. You know, a marriage was not 
like a marriage today. This, this was a seven-day event. This was not just, uh, and everybody had to stay there. Uh, all the people that came, they would, they would be there for seven days, seven days and seven nights. And that, that, was a, that was not just the Jews then. This goes back thousands of years in history, in, in that, at least in, in, in the Middle East there. And so when you have, when you have that time, and I, you know, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm uh, reading too much into this, but the parable there, as I can see it, is that the time of the wedding is really the time that we have. Maybe the time of the, of the Gentiles, until Jesus comes back, when, when he gets married to the church, when Jesus comes back. And, and the time in between is really the wedding. And we, we, have, we have the wedding garments on, the ones that were cleaned. And that's, that's I guess, what is referring to that the church, the wife, who's going to get married to the lamb is not only the, the blood of the lamb, which is freely given to us, like, like that garment that some say was given to each one that came in, the wedding garment, it's, that's our garment, but then we have to keep the garment clean. And, and, and we, have to, uh, we have to work in, or we have to uh, celebrate is that a good way to put it? We have to celebrate on this wedding feast, which lasts, you know, 2,000 years now, and maybe a few more years longer, maybe. But the challenge for us is that we keep the garment, right? And for those who don't have the garment yet, to get the garment. Uh, not, not to be, not be like those people who made light of it and went their ways one to his farm, and another to his merchandise, or maybe be out of out of spite like the others. I don't I don't like him. Uh, and again, for those for those of us who have have put on the garment to to, uh, to be part of that wedding to, with others, to be as a church. Jesus is not going to come for each individual. He's going to come for the church as as one as one unit.